some people, I think, look at, at 2020 as a, a year they'd like to forget for a lot of different reasons. And I, mm-hmm. and I said, I said, somebody's going to have the best year ever in 2020. Yeah. Why not let it be us? Why not let it be you? Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. I happen to be your humble host. My name is Sean Davis. And joining me as always, my hostess with with the mostest, if I can get it out of my mouth. (laughs) My hostess with the mostest, my beautiful wife. Her name is... Just Jen. Just Jen. You're along with us as we keep this hope train moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo. How you doing today? I am okay today. You're okay today? Yeah. Feeling your uh, best pandemic life right now? I'm starving, actually. Are you hungry? Yeah, I'm really hungry. You're always hungry. Yeah. Are you gonna about ready to eat an arm? Um, I'm going to drink a protein shake, and I'll be good for about 10 minutes. Awesome. <laughs> food, food, food yes. with you. It's always food. Yeah. If you're not eating, you're thinking about food. Of course. Or looking at pictures of food. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> My whole Instagram is food. I know. You've got a lot of food on your page. Yes. So much so that your feed is inundated with food. Food. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why I'm always hungry. Maybe. I'm always seeing food, so I, I always automatically think. Like, if I see somebody snacking, I feel like I need to go get a snack. You feel like you need to eat? Yeah. Like you're missing, like it's almost like you're missing out. Yeah, and I actually almost told myself one day, almost, that I should probably not follow food pages because... It makes me hungry. I feel like I'm being left out and I need food. But but does it does it at all satiate you? Does it does it like when you are hungry, you know, like sometimes mm-hmm. people will smell food and it yeah. makes it go away. So if you're hungry and you look at pictures of food, it only makes it worse. Well, you know what? I tried doing this one time where I wasn't allowed to have something. Like let's just say it was chocolate cake. So I thought I would just eat the chocolate cake but spit it out it's really hard to do you just you just have to swallow words, it you wanted to taste it on your tongue yeah. you wanted to get the sensation of tasting it but yet and then you spit it out and then it's like you didn't have it but you got to taste it but you have no calories right that sounds like a waste to me so it sounds I, like it was a big really hard tease. I, I didn't do very good I, yeah i swallowed it but if you can taste it and yet it doesn't go in your stomach why isn't that satisfying why isn't the taste satisfying because i want more of it I know, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why why wouldn't that satisfy you? I want the whole chocolate cake. Jennifer. In my mouth. Jennifer, stop. <laughs> now you're going overboard. I love food. Yeah, you do. Well, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people love food. It, you know, kind of does maintain life. You know what? There are people who don't like food. They don't like it or they're not. They're just not like They're not interested eating. in it like no. you are. Well, I'm that way. They must have. I mean, other... I like a good meal, but I don't, I'm not like you. I don't wake up thinking about food. I don't go to sleep thinking about food. I don't spend my day looking at pictures of food. Really? No, I don't. I just think that's so weird. <laughs> I bet you there's people that think food what you're is doing. My life. Is- food is life. It makes me happy. Yeah. Well, I think it makes a lot of people happy. Yeah. It's just one of those things, but to I don't each think, their own. I don't think I ever am anywhere without food on me. 
For being a food lover, you are a disciplined mm -hmm. food lover. Yeah. Which is rare. It doesn't have to be bad food. Yeah. It could be carrots. It could be you pretzels. You like carrots? I do like carrots. What's your favorite vegetable? My vegetable? Yeah, it didn't come out right. Um, My favorite vegetable... Probably right now is asparagus. Yeah. Yeah. Asparagus for the win. Yeah, it's Me diuretic. Uh, not, why are we <laughs> talking about that? We don't need to talk about that. I'm just giving you some I like fun it facts. al dente. I like it when it's cooked, but there's a little bit of firmness to it. It's got a little crunch. I don't like it when it's all like you did. Yeah. Like I like broccoli. I, I like, like cauliflower. You know what I like? Brussels, Brussels sprouts, sprouts. Jinx. I Poke. love. You owe me a Coke. I don't drink Coke. I love Brussels sprouts. Holy moly, but they've got to be baked and crispy with some bacon and some onions. All right, now you're making me food. I'm making you food? You're making me hungry because you're talking about food. Okay, because I was going to say, <laughs> if you're food, I'll eat you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready for joke time? I'm Let's ready. get to telling some joke. It's joke time. Joke time. All right, you get to go first. I always get to go first. Okay. Yes. Are you ready for my joke? I am. Are you sure? I think so. Okay. What did one strawberry say to the other? What did one strawberry say to the other? I don't know. What did he say? If you weren't so fresh, we wouldn't be in this jam. Ah, I like that. That's a I good like one. I like that too. I love, oh my gosh, strawberry jam with peanut butter. Oh, now you're a mm -hmm. talking strawberry. I like honey jam. with peanut butter too. Jennifer, you're talking about all the food right now. Have you now. ever had a honey peanut butter sandwich? Yes, yes, you have. Yes, I have. So good, right? Uh, yes. Okay, tell your joke. All right. Did you hear about the guy whose whole left side was cut off? Totally not. Well, he's all right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I figured out the secret to joke time and making you laugh. It's yeah. got to be, it. You, the only answer has got to be one answer. You can't have multiple answers. Well, it took you 30 years. Jeez Louise. Slow learner. Wow. Rolling S it out. Slow learner over here. I'm a, I'm a very simple person. Yeah, yeah. Well, in some things, yes. In some things, no. What am I not? <laughs> um, what are you not simple in? Yeah. Design. Design. Yeah, you're all, you, you know, like you yeah. draw influences from all kinds of different yeah. places, you know, like yeah. you, you aren't simple in design. No, I'm very complicated. Yes. Well, I'm excited today because we've got a special guest coming on. Okay. His name is Matt Ward, nice. and he's going to talk to us about kind of how to pivot during the pandemic. He mm. can be found at mattwardspeaks.com. Uh, he's written, he's an author, he's okay. a published speaker. But here's what happened when COVID hit, like he had like a plan of 40 something speaking engagements lined up gigs mm -hmm. that he'd done and like all of them went away. Yeah. So like how, how do you pivot? Like how do you rise above that? That's a challenge. That's an obstacle, right? Like what do you do to overcome that? So we're going to talk to him a little bit about that. He's bought and sold businesses. He's the first person out of his immediate family to graduate high school and of his two other siblings the only one that hasn't been in prison. So it's going to be an interesting wow. story to talk with Matt, hear what he has to share about the pandemic, about business in general, adding value. I'm excited. Yeah. So shall we call him? Let's call him. All right. I'm excited to say I've got Matt Ward on the line. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you today? 
Oh, fantastic, Sean and Jen. How are you guys? We are doing fabulous. How about you, Jen? Great. I'm doing great. Yeah, sunshine, blue skies. We're in California. (laughs) You know, it's beautiful weather. So we we could complain, but you'd sound like a whiner if you did. So why bother? Right. Yeah, yeah. We do enough of that here in Boston. It's uh, it's the middle of the summer, and it feels like it's still snowing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I was excited to have you on because uh, Dan Candell, who we had on as a guest a couple of weeks ago, had put me in touch with you. And Dan's, you know, he's he's all kinds of fun and all kinds of interesting. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, you got to talk to my buddy, Matt. And so, you know, here we are. And so I'll let you start. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, your background. And I heard you've bought and sold businesses. I've heard you've had some family strife. I've heard you've overcome adversity. So, you know, I want to get into as much of that as we can get into today, but maybe just a brief overview for our listeners of uh, who you are and what you do. I'm a professional speaker, an author, and a referral consultant. I make a living as a professional speaker, but in the middle of COVID, I don't (laughs) because everything's dried up and there's no travel and there's no in-person events. Everybody's social distancing. So I've been doing more of the referral consulting. Basically what I do is I help sales professionals get more sales in their service-based business by building better relationships with other people through caring. So I show people that, you know, the theme is hope on the podcast. I show people that there's hope in relationships, that there's, there's hope for their future in their business. And there's hope for themselves. You know, if you care more about other people, you actually become more joyful internally yourself. And that means that you're a much happier person to be around. And you don't repel people away from you. You actually attract them. Yeah, uh, I, I like that a lot. And now you said uh, you coach service-based sales businesses. So the first thing that I thought yeah. of was like real estate. So do you coach realtors? Do you coach, yeah. um, you know, like auto sales yeah. persons? Yeah, basically, Sean, it's, it's, it's anybody where a relationship is required to make the sale. If you're a real estate professional, you live and die by the relationship. We buy from the individual that we know. And so what I do is help those people understand uh, who their ideal referral sources are, who, who are the people that actually refer them. Because clients rarely refer people. Uh, from a client perspective, you'll get one to three referrals over a lifetime. But everybody puts all their eggs in that basket. They think that's where the referrals come from. Actually, the referrals come from the other side of the fence. It's the people who are doing business all the time with the same buyer that you have as a prospective customer. That's awesome. And I, and I think that's a uh, really well needed. I know from several perspectives, number one, you may not know this, but I used to be a financial advisor. I spent 22 years in financial services. So I understand how powerful referrals can be. But in addition, I'm also done taking my matriculation for my real estate license. I've just got to schedule a test. So I'm doing that as well. But I understand how important relationships are. And what you're talking about is more what I would formally know as like a center of influence type relationship, somebody that is a peer to peer business to business, somebody that you would frequent and do business with quite often. And so the, the better that you can cultivate that relationship, the more value you may be able to extract from it on both sides. You shared with me a little bit offline that you have 
had some successes. You've had some failures. Obviously, COVID is a challenge right now, but you, you're somebody that has bought and sold businesses before. You're somebody that has had, um, from what I understand, some significant challenges, family strife, etc. So why don't we talk about some successes in your life and some of the adversities that you have faced and how you overcame those trials? Well, first thing is, I, I want to make it very clear to the audience that I've had far more failures than successes. <laughs> it's the successes that other people see. It's not the failures. I think that this is something that really people need to understand. Every successful person has failed in their life. Failure is part of the path to success. You can't be afraid to fail because it's part of the, of the recipe to success. It's mm-hmm. learning from those failures. It's overcoming those failures. It's you know hardening yourself and, and solidifying yourself and, and facing that and being able to take risks and not be afraid to fail. Yeah, you know, we have this terminology that you fail forward. As long as you're falling forward when you fail, you just keep moving. It's interesting because we don't go on Facebook and post all the miserable problems that we have in our lives, right? We don't. That's why I call it fake book. <laughs> yeah. I call it fake book or vague book, right? Yeah. Fake or because vague. everybody's so vague. Yeah. COVID-19 isn't, isn't a, a problem. It's an enormous problem. It's a huge issue for a lot of people. There's a lot of people not make. I haven't billed a speaking fee in 90 days. Do you know what that does on someone's psyche? <laughs> Think about that for a second. That's how I made my living. And then all of a sudden it just dried up. So how it's are like you a, weathering that? It's like living in a house and a sinkhole opens up underneath <laughs> your house. Oh, gosh. <laughs> there you go, right? Bye. And so what you got to do is you got to pivot. And it's just another, it's just another failure point. Look, I sold a business. I ran that digital marketing agency for 16 years and I sold it to one of my employees for seven figures. And I walked away and I became a professional speaker. And I said, this is the life I want to live. Like this is the impact I want to have on the world. And I started traveling and I started speaking and I invested a lot. I invested probably 40 grand into my skills and coaching and platform experience and content development. And I really found my way. I was just ramping up in 2019. It was my first full calendar year doing it. So 2019, I had 35, I think 36 gigs all over the country. I spoke in places I never knew existed. <laughs> right? I was in Sun River, Oregon. I flew into what they say is Richmond, but basically Bend, Oregon. Oh. You know, I flew in on such a small plane, I had to put my luggage in the back because they don't allow carry-on. I spoke in New Orleans twice in five days. Like I flew down there on Thursday, spoke Thursday night, Friday, flew back to Boston. And then on Sunday morning, flew back to New Orleans. And I had never been in New Orleans in my life. I spoke in Orlando twice and Dallas and Houston. And I just awesome. Right. And, and I got this thing going and, and I played the momentum game early on. I said, you know what? I don't need the money right now. I just sold my business. I want momentum. I want numbers of, of gigs. And so I got up. The goal was uh, 36. I hit right at that goal. 2020 was going to be 48. And I was on my way to my goal of 100 per year, being a road warrior, changing lives, impacting people. I did two gigs in early 2020. 
Nashville and uh, Orlando, and then boom, the bottom fell out. I think it was like March. No, I did a gig in Columbus. I did a third gig, and then they booked me. Columbus people booked me for a gig two weeks later in Cleveland, and they booked me the day after I spoke in Columbus. So it was that short a time frame. I booked my flight. I booked my hotel, and two days after I booked my flight in my hotel, Ohio closed. Everything no shut down. Nothing. Yeah. Everything shut down. And then they just started falling from the trees. It was like, like dominoes. Dropping. I was yeah. like, no, no. And every time you hear that thing fall, you hear the, the glass crack, crack and shatter. And you're like, oh, that went my business. Mm. And as I started looking at it, I was just like, what on earth am I going to do? And we can look at that and say, well, I can sit here and I can try and figure it out and I can be miserable and can make my girlfriend miserable and can make my dog miserable <laughs> or I can do something about it. And so what I did was I said, okay, if no one's going to pay anything for in-person events, will they pay anything for virtual? And as much as we'd like to say that the answer is yes, the answer was no. Nobody wanted to pay anything. Everybody was holding on to their purse strings. And I said, okay, well, what, then, then what? Then what can I do to serve? How can I help? Because if I want to impact small business owners, I need to do that. So I stood up a webinar and I just said, okay, I'm going to do a webinar on how to network virtually. I know that can help people. Networking is a big piece of referrals. So if you can't do it in person now, how do you do it? How do you do it through Zoom and other, other tools? And so I started doing this webinar. I offered it to every chamber in the country. I offered it to all these real estate associations all over the country. And they started snatching it up and doing it. And as I stand here today talking to you today, uh, we're probably, you know, just shy of uh, uh, 90 days into this. And I'm guessing I've done three of those a week. Sometimes I did a webinar and there were like two people on it. Other times I do a webinar and there's 250 people on it. did one last night for uh, Henderson Chamber of Commerce in Henderson. And Nevada, which is the town directly next to Las, what we know as Las Vegas. And there were 76 people on the webinar, right? People that are looking to figure out what they got to do next. All types of people too, mind you. Hospitality professionals, financial services professionals, realtors, insurance people, people that do network marketing, tool, uh, you know, products and services, people that do skincare, all types of people on this. And I, I'm, I didn't charge for it. But what, what can I do is I build my, my list. This is, this is I think, a, a, a second point here, which is kind of the law of attraction, too. I think that you understand that having had success in the past, having built a company, then ultimately selling that company and realizing some sort of profit from it, to look at how you did that over a span of 10, 20, 30 years, et cetera, you, you realize that there is this law of attraction. If you give without expectation and put forth information out there, it will come back to you. It will come back to you in spades, usually multiplied. And so I think that's what you're talking about. You're talking about pivoting, doing something instead of wallowing in self-pity and misery and focusing on the negative and spiraling down about how 
horrible the world is because everything that you had planned just got upended. You just, you sit there and go, well, whining isn't going to change anything. Wallowing misery isn't going to change anything. So what can I do? I love that point. I love that you just said, what can I do? And then do this reach out across the country and the connections and the, and the information and the resources that you are providing to people, I think is going to come back to you in spades. Yeah. And, and to your point, like, I mean, like, you, obviously you have to decide what's going to work for you. Like being, being of service is one thing you want to give without getting the expectation of anything in return. But I'm talking about from a sales perspective, right. Or, yeah. or expecting someone to buy from you. But I, I just had a conversation with somebody this morning and they're like, you know, yeah, we'd love to have your webinar. We're going to run it through our registration system. I, I said, well, you can do that, but I need the emails. And they said, no, we don't give it. And then I can't do it. This is the one thing I need as my payment, right? And if you, if you, as an organizer, if you can't understand that, if you, if you're worried about protecting quote unquote privacy, these people just tell them in advance, that's what we're doing, right? This is not something that people are concerned about because I give so much value on the webinar. Very few people unsubscribe. Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm okay if they do, it's, it's Okay because I don't really use my list to sell at the moment. Cause again, I don't have anything to sell them at the moment, right? Because nobody's buying that stuff right now. I mean, there are some people that, that I work with, but a lot of people aren't buying. They're holding on there. We all have alligator arms right now. And so <laughs> T-Rex, <laughs> my point is, is that the failures with COVID are more public, but most of the failures happen that are not public. We go back and we look at, you know, I was working in a full-time job back in 2002, started this web company part-time, and in 2003, Labor Day, I walked into work and I got laid off. Now, the last time I checked, getting laid off is a pretty big sort of failure. It's a big ego hit. You know, they kept somebody else and they let you go. For 48 hours, I thought, this is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I was young. I was, I don't know, 29, 30 years old. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, the next day, the third day, I realized, you know what? This is the best gift they ever gave me. Because now I can focus on trying to build this business. And uh, that's what I did. And I did that for another 14 months, 15 months. And then I took a full time in 05. And, and grew the company from there. Got it up to eight employees and made it by the skin of our teeth through the downturn in 2008. By the way, I should say I made it through the downturn in 2008 because I had a what I call CEO roundtable group, just a bunch of business owners that got together once a month and shared ideas. And their advice is what allowed me to get through that time frame. So I would encourage anybody listening to this, if you have a business, consult with others. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid of competition. To me, competition doesn't exist. It just doesn't. It's just, it's, it's the abundance mindset. That we are much better together than than we ever would be alone mm-hmm. and it's just the ideas that come from those brainstorming sessions mastermind groups whatever you want to call them and whether you i was paying for these things i would pay hundreds if not thousands of dollars a month to be a part of them so you know we got through all of that but lots lots of failures in, in that web company you know one of the biggest failures we had at the time our largest client, and I wouldn't even say it's a failure, right? We all classify failures in different ways. They could be setbacks, right? Failures could be setbacks nonetheless. Our largest client was Toys for Top. And we were doing 45 different websites across the country for them. And then about 30 days before their billing was going to go out, 
in uh, 2009, they told all their sites that they couldn't use any external uh, web resource company because they were going internal now. They had hired someone. And so I lost 45 grand in one day or, or the ability to build 45 grand. Wow. Right? Yeah. And for a small business in the middle of a recession, that's, that's a killer. And so a huge setback there, right? But you just keep clawing. You just keep clawing and you just keep finding ways to innovate and come up with new ideas. I, I'll tell you, Sean, that, that goes all the way back to sort of my childhood, right? I guess it kind of brings full circle on hope is, is I grew up in a very poverty stricken situation. My dad left when I was, I don't know, six, I guess. And single mom, three boys. I was the youngest of three. She was just trying to survive. She did the best she could. And we, we were just, uh, we were unruly kids all on a bad, probably path forever. And somewhere she got her hands on a brochure for a private boarding school uh, located in Pennsylvania, which happens to be, by the way, the product of Milton Hershey, the guy that founded the Chocolate Club. Yeah, I actually did the Hershey's race. You did the, you, oh yeah, yeah. You, did, you did the Hershey's race. I did. The half marathon. Is that in the park? Yeah, you go through the park and downtown, yeah. through the colleges. Yeah. It's, it was really, really pretty out there. <laughs> Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, you would never catch me running that. Um, <laughs> oh, they give you free chocolate, guy. too. They give- oh, no, I just sit next to the people giving out the free chocolate. Oh, my gosh. I, I did want to yeah. stop and just hang out with them for a while because they clearly were having way more fun than I was at that point. <laughs> yeah. You know, in 1909, Milton Hershey gave away his entire fortune 40 years before he died to a trust in which he created a school for orphans. And it's since evolved into what they call social orphans, where your parents have to be divorced, separated, or deceased. Basically, it's for poverty-stricken and disadvantaged kids. 2,500 kids go to that school completely tuition-free. So you get room, board, shelter. And when you graduate high school now, you get $90,000 to go to college. Wow. Right? And you need to be uh, born in the USA and under the age prior to your 16th birthday by the first day you step on campus. But I, I entered that school in sixth grade. That school changed my life. I'm the youngest of three boys, the first to graduate high school, and the only one not to go to prison. Wow. So let that sink in for a second, right? Oh, yeah. Now, did, did your brothers day, go to that school as well, or, did they, or were you the only one that made it in? I was the only one that made it in. Hmm. They, uh, they went through the application process and did not get accepted. Clearly, for lots of other reasons, you know, <laughs> problems. They were problem children, right? I mean, yeah. I, I was probably going to be down that path, too. But I hadn't accelerated mm-hmm. to that level yet, obviously. My and what's the age difference between your... Older than yeah, I was just going to yeah, say... 15 what, months. Oh, 15 months, okay. So the age... the oldest to the middle brother. Okay. And the oldest was four years older than me. And the oldest had gone to a private school and gotten kicked out. And so, you know, that doesn't look good on his record. They're not going to let him in in that scenario. Yeah. But even to this day, on my right hand, on my ring finger, I wear my high school graduation ring. I literally have tattoos commemorating my time at the school. It, it means a lot to me. And the older I get, the, the more I realize that what that school really taught me was grit. Mm-hmm. You know, how to, how to forge through really tough situations. Looking back... I see a direct correlation to what it is you guys talk about when it comes to hope. I still believe in that saying that hope is not a strategy, 
but it is something to look forward to. And if you've had glimmers of opportunity and successes that have come from tumultuous situations, trial and error, difficult challenges, failures, then you see the value of hope. You see what it can present to you. And then you kick into grit mode. Yes. And you just work through it. You just power through it. It's like putting your car into the lowest gear possible to get up the hill. There's nothing that's going to stop it. And so when it comes to me and business and life and things I want, there's nothing that's going to stop me from getting what I want. Somebody once said to me, you know what? I, you know what I realized with you, Matt? And I was like, what's that? He goes, it, it, for you, it's not the destination. It's the journey. I just believe that every day of my life, I want to live it to the point. It's not to show people that I'm a success. It's to show myself that I will never go back there. I mean, that's a, that's a strong motivator. And I, and I understand everything that you're saying and what you're not saying and what it means in the big picture. Because, and that was one of the reasons why we jumped on and pivoted quickly. We flip houses for a living. You know, I sold my financial services practice very similar to you at the end of October of uh, 2018. And so the reality of it is, is I, I, I took some of that money and I said, okay, let's, let's go flip some houses. And so, you know, for, for us, when, when COVID hit, I just felt like everything kind of got stalled and stagnated and shut down. And I'm like, okay, well, I had a background in financial services and radio. Why not, you know, let's do this. I felt like God had given me a word about 10, 12 years ago about hope and a hope radio podcast and, and doing something along these lines, but it just never felt like the right time. And then 10 years later, 11 years later, all of a sudden it's the right time. And so what I was fearful of is that I think that there's a lot of young people that have never gone through um, a significant trial like this where life hands you a just a, a trial and or challenge that just seems insurmountable. You know, like think about all the food service people. Think about all the bar staff. Think about anybody that works with any type of travel, all the hotel and lodging and all the, you know, so like some of these people, like their world just comes crashing down. Now, Jen and I, we've been married for 26 years, get together for 31. We've been through a lot of crap. Like we've overcome trials and tribulations. I went bankrupt in 2009 with my, with my personally, not on the business side, but you, you know, like mm -hmm. I think when you go through those things and often our experience has been some of the biggest trials that we've ever been through have led to some of the most incredible blessings on the opposites, on the other side of it. And so like that mm -hmm. gives us an internal almost lamp of hope that doesn't ever diminish or go out. But there's people that haven't been through that that think that life is going to end or that it, it, it like I don't see how this could ever get better or I don't see how I'm ever going to survive. I mean, think about a business owner that owns restaurants, four successful restaurants, thought everything was just going like gangbusters, awesome, and now maybe facing complete ruin because of this. You know, like how does somebody weather that? And I think that the more that people hear – Hope to me is is just that little bit of okay. With hope, I can I can engage my grit. With hope, I can engage a plan. With you know, but it has to be there. If I don't have any hope, I like what you know. Where's my grit going to come from? Kind of thing, you know. So like, it's that little kernel yeah, that allows people to rise. You're a hundred percent right about that. So when you think, if I could just give you a sports analogy, right? I mean, the reason we have hope at the end of any sports ball game, like football, for example. The reason we have hope for the Hail Mary pass that's going to go 
45, 50 yards and try to be caught in the end zone at the end of the Super Bowl is because we've seen it happen before. We've seen the success happen. We know it's possible. And we know the players have practiced this time and time and time again. No one practiced COVID. No one did. And so the people that relate to COVID are the people like yourself who file bankruptcy. I filed personal bankruptcy in 1997. I'm not ashamed of that. But I, I work every day to not go back to that. Yeah, right. exactly. I know exactly what I, you're saying. I look at the mistakes I made, right? And I don't, I, because to me, it's not that I, I would be most disappointed in myself if I ended up down that road. It is, it is absolutely the place I never want to go again. Financial management is not something that is, was taught or practiced in, in, in my family. And so there's a history of, you know, bankruptcy filing in, in, in my, my parents consistently doing it like every 10 years. And I'm just like, no, that, that will not be me. I cannot be that statistic. I choose to make conscious decisions in other ways. To your point, like I just, I look at COVID and even with the strongest financial management you could ever imagine, like sometimes you just can't see things coming. Sometimes you just can't can't. know to prepare. I mean, think about some of the most successful businesses out there in the country right now that are facing ruin. I mean, I I would hate to be an executive at an airline company right now trying to figure out how to pivot and or weather the storm. You know, it's like you just don't know. And I think that that speaks to, you know, not attaching yourself or your peace to what you have. Like you, you got to, you got to be more external than that, you know, because anything that you have can be taken away and it can all be taken away. And then what are you going to do? What, what are you going to do then? And so that, that to me is this, this example of rise, I think grit and tenacity, hard work, a, a good, strong work ethic, I think ambition, I think drive, a never quit attitude. I mean, I think those are all hallmarks of success, but I think also in addition to that is is failure is a hallmark of success. You've got to go through trials to see what you're made of, come out on the other side, and that's going to give you more confidence that the next trial that you encounter, that you're going to overcome that as well. Yeah, and if you don't personally have that, then if you don't have that trial and that practice of failing, that's, that's okay. Just look to some other people that you respect. Like I deeply respect Milton Hershey. I never met the guy, but if you dig into his history, you found that he filed bankruptcy twice. Then he sold the company for a million dollars. Then he founded uh, Hershey's shop. That's mind boggling to me, right? <laughs> he, he's got like a sixth or seventh grade education. How does a guy with a sixth or seventh grade education go to the largest chocolate company in the history of the world? Grit. I, yeah. And so you just got to look at other people and say, okay, well, you know, a lot of people see this guy, Gary V, right? And they see everything he's doing and, and all this stuff. And uh, he's got the quote unquote hustle and all that. Like, I don't even look at that. What I look at is, is go back and research that guy. And you see the garbage videos he was doing on YouTube way back when with Wine Library. He was trying stuff out, right? And he was just iterating and iterating. And he put a lot of time in and gave a lot away. And there's no such thing 
as an overnight success. In fact, they're 20 year overnight successes. It takes 20 years to get to where we're at the point where we've learned so much that other people view us as a success. And all of a sudden we break through some barrier and now all of a sudden we're famous or something, you know? Well, you just gave Jen an, an appropriate expectation for our success with Hope Radio Podcast. So, babe, you're asking when it was going to, you know, kind of catch some steam. We got a 20-year timeline here. 20 years. 20 yeah. years. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, Jen, you've already done 20 years with him anyway. I Might know. Well I'm in I it know. for the long run, I guess. You're not bored yet? Not bored. I'm not bored ever. Are you kidding me? I, I actually, even with all this COVID stuff, I haven't been bored. Sean and I have talked about like we're just looking forward to that day where we just sit at home and do nothing which we've had to do but we're still so busy so yeah Jen Jen I'm busier than ever yeah Jen has hosted a a run streak it's called streaking with the cool kids on her personal Instagram and it started seven years ago and uh, basically it's a run walk jog one mile a day every day during the month of june and so it changed my life four years ago when i when i did it it sparked a, almost a 30 pound weight loss for me and now jen and i are almost on day it'll be in july day 1500 of our personal streak so we've been doing it for over four years but she she does it every june and well this year she, she doubled the participants she's got 6500 participants in 13 countries throughout the world all coming to do this run walk jog one mile every single day a commitment for the whole month of of june and so that has kept us her encouragement of those people and doing that doing the podcast still doing our real estate stuff so it's that whole idea of pivoting you know and i just i had this conversation with her the other day and i said you know what's it's so crazy about this is that that these things would not have happened to the degree that they've happened or with the significance that they've happened if it wasn't for COVID. like like some people i think look at at 20 20 as a, a year they'd like to forget for a lot of different reasons. And I, and I said, I said, somebody's going to have the best year ever in 2020. Yeah. Why not let it be us? Why not let it be you? Like have that kind of attitude. There's no throwaway year. I don't want to, I don't want to take anything back. I want to extract as much learning, extract as much opportunity, extract as much, you know, vision and, and, and whatever we can create to move forward in 2020. Why not try to make it the best year we've ever had? You know, that kind of an attitude. Yeah. If, we pivot what we physically do. We need to, you know, pivot our mindset. Mindset is such a big thing. I'd love to sit here and tell you I'm perfect at it. And I'm probably horrible at it. <laughs> I, I need to practice better mindset. There's nothing that drives me more crazy than getting on a phone call or a Zoom chat with somebody right now and having them say, oh, business is amazing. <laughs> I'm like, you're such a liar. <laughs> like, come on. Don't be, don't be fake. You don't be vulnerable. Yeah. Right. Like I was on, I was on another podcast. It is a men's over 40 podcast. And I, I know the guy that hosted, I simply went on to talk about this idea. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to worry. It's okay to not know how you're going to provide for your family. It's okay to worry about that stuff. It's okay to admit that you think about those things. I'd be, I'd be lying to everybody if I didn't think about how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I, you know, how long is this thing going to last? There's a lot of questions, but at the end of the day, it's not about 
whether or not I think about those things. I am, I am a vulnerable person. I do admit my vulnerability, but then I take action. And it's from those thoughts in which I channel my mental state and my emotion and to drive toward the goal. The goal obviously for me is always moving. I'm constantly iterating the process as I move along. And I think some people don't realize that that not admitting that, sitting there trying to ignore it, that's not healthy. It's it's like stuffing. Yes, we're human. We're meant to experience emotions. And, you know, I think anxiety or worry or fear or, or whatever is, is all part of that process. But I think the big thing is to not get stuck in it. You know, like to me, that is quicksand. You know, you get stuck in it, the more you wallow in it, the the more it's going to overtake you. And you you just, you got to acknowledge that it's there. You got to acknowledge that you're feeling it. And then you just got to move on. Like you got to, you got to, I think the biggest thing is that pivoting is just taking action. I said to Jen, I said, I can't just sit here and feel like this dread, this worry, this anxiety. Yeah. You know, for us, when COVID hit, I mean, we had four different houses that we were working on at the time. You know, I had fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month in carrying costs on these, plus the expense of the renovation, plus we were trying to finish two houses and list them and you know, and everything kind of got shut down and I'm sitting here going, what the heck is gonna happen? <laughs> like I, you know, I just feel like, you know, did I just waste this opportunity? I sold my business. I only did that once. Like what am I gonna get this mm-hmm. opportunity again? And am I gonna run out of money? Am I gonna you know, I mm-hmm. like you, I don't want to be in a situation where I have to file bankruptcy ever again in my life. But yet you you know, like okay. I've been through it before. I know they can't eat me. You know, I know that we came out of it, you know. So like the reality of it is, is that, you know, you just got, you just got to be, you got to acknowledge it, but not wallow in it, not take a bath in it, not, not sit and let it wash over you every single day and then take action, do something. You know, I think the biggest thing for us was doing this podcast. We never, ever would have expected the amount of hope that her and I have received personally listening to everybody's story. Right. You know, talking Mm. with them and hearing what people have overcome, like the unintended, like major blessing is at times where I felt, you know, this freaking sucks. Like I can't stand it. Damn COVID. Like, like I was kind of wallowing in my own misery. I'd get on the line and talk to some woman that, that her son was shot and killed by, you know, his wife's boyfriend kind of thing. And like, she's had to deal with that. And, and I sit here and go, I'm worried about money. And like, she lost her child. Uh-huh. Like I, you know, I, I walk out of here like feeling grateful that I'm just worrying about <laughs> money and not yeah. something more significant than that. Yeah. I, I, I think that if we don't, if we don't uh, think about those things and then take action, that the lack of taking action compounds the mental health issues that we have in our country mm-hmm. and we need and you know i don't want to diminish that at all it's a big problem but we don't want to add to that right so how do we you know and dan is the, the, the ideal source on this from an anxiety standpoint i don't know anything about that but what i know is that for me and for many people i know they're trying to put things in place taking action in some sort and moving forward is, is super helpful with changing the thought pattern, right? And so I always go back to this commercial that Verizon ran many, many years ago, probably 20 years ago, with James Earl Jones as the voice. And they would say, make progress every day. 
Yeah. And that's all I ever do. And I don't, I don't wallow in the past. I don't, I don't focus on the past. I use the past as a historical marker for mistakes I've made and to move forward. I, I just think that there are people that haven't failed like we have. And so they don't necessarily understand it's a part of the routine. You know, when you, when you, as, as you get older, you, you, you make mistakes all in your early years and you start, that's why they say respect your elders and the whole, you know, the older you are, the wiser you are. Right. It's, it's not, it's not some stuff you've learned from other people. It's stuff you've learned from yourself the mistakes that you continue to make. That's so, so good. That's such a great statement. That's such a good acknowledgement. And that's, that's something that I have come into knowing myself in the last couple of years is that, you know, wisdom comes from personal experience and it's, and it takes failures to learn wisdom. It takes setbacks to, to grow. I think, I think it takes setbacks to challenge yourself and to, and to experience growth. And so, you know, thank you for that. I, I agree with you 100%. And so as we close out uh, the show, Matt, I just, you know, I guess my question to you would be, as somebody's listening here that's never experienced this level of adversity, so let's imagine somebody that has never gone through what we've gone through, successful, you know, everything's done, gone right for them, and now they're in a situation where their whole life may be turned upside down. Let's say financially, maybe they're facing bankruptcy, maybe they're facing ruin, you know, what would you say to that person right now that's going through that, that's feeling that based on what you've lived yourself? You need to surround yourself with people that you deeply respect and you need to have conversations with them about what you're going through. You will then begin to realize that they too are either going through the exact same thing at that moment or that they have already gone through it. And then they can counsel you and then you make decisions based on that counsel. At the end of the day, it is understanding that other people have been down this road that you are about to go down and that they still stand before you having come out of that road, that they are not broken. They are scarred. Those are battle scars and those battle scars are what make us warriors. Very well yeah. said. Very, very good. Love that. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your wisdom. It's been a pleasure talking with you. You're a, you're a neat dude, and I want to stay in contact with you because I think that we, uh, we have some things in common. It's been a lot of fun, Sean and Jen. I appreciate you having me on the show. All right, Jen, what'd you think about Matt and our discussion with him about the pandemic and pivoting and just all of his trials and tribulations? What'd you think? I really loved what he just said, but I still can't stop thinking about chocolate and Pennsylvania and the Hershey factory. I knew that. I knew I was going to lose you. I, as soon as he started saying that, I'm like, yeah. Like, I started thinking about Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Yeah. Like the rivers of chocolate. I started thinking about Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Hershey Kisses, uh, Kit Kats, Mr. Goodbar, Twizzlers, Skittles. I don't know. What else comes from the Hershey factory? The man. Let's talk about the man for a second. What yeah. a legacy. I what know. a legacy to, to actually spend the money to put it into a trust and to benefit future generations. That man in his life mm -hmm. 
is still paying dividends to others. Mm-hmm. He's impacting people's lives to hear his story and what he overcame and and to look at that quote unquote boarding school for troubled youth or however you want to phrase it. I don't know what the exact title of it is, yeah. but to, to have him say, that's the biggest reason that I'm here. That's yeah. the biggest reason that I have success. And maybe my brothers didn't. He was the only one out of his family to make it into the school. Mm-hmm. So I just think I just think what a legacy. What a, what a legacy that somebody could leave for the benefit of other people, yeah, you're, you know. You're continuously doing so much good. Yeah, I know? I aspire to create and or do something that outlives me that mm-hmm. continues to benefit future generations. Right. That's awesome. I just think Hope that that's... Radio podcast. Hey, you never know. Right? You never know. Like, we could be making that right now, and I don't know. I know, because hope is something that we're going to need forever and ever and we ever. We always need hope. And even when we're not here, like, everyone needs hope. Yeah, that, that point that I made about, like, the glimmer of hope is what ignites then grit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the spark that ignites the fire. Yes. You know, I thought that was, that was great. So... Jen, if people want to know more about what we're doing, Mm -hmm. if they want to follow us, how do they do that? Well, you can follow us at Hope Radio Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. Both Hope Radio Podcast, huh? And they can also, you you can download us and take us with you Mm -hmm. if you want to take our podcast with you. We're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on uh, Google Podcasts, Mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. 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 Yeah, and you can bring snacks and listen to us while we talk your ear off. Yeah, you would like that if people were eating food while they oh were listening gosh, to us. Oh my gosh, dream come true. It's, it's almost like a like a prophecy fulfilled. Yeah, right for sure. Somehow you feel better, like you're giving life to somebody because they're eating food, listening well, to us. Well, because I think when you're eating and you're snacking, you're happy. <laughs> so if you're listening to the Hope Radio podcast and having snacks, you're very happy. This is true. Happiness. So here's my hope thought. Okay. okay. And this is just coming from me. I just. Oh, I, this is your quote? Well, it's not really a quote. It's, oh. just, a, it's just a statement on hope. Okay. I think that the biggest way, mm-hmm. and I've learned a, a valuable lesson in doing this podcast and actually doing this for the benefit of other people. I think one of the biggest ways to spark hope, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling overwhelmed is to come alongside somebody else and lift them up. It's amazing mm-hmm. that the feeling that you get, how how you feel hope filled. Yes. Reaching out and extending a hand to somebody else and pulling them up. And I think that that's what people need to focus on if they feel hopeless right yeah. now. Yeah. That's so very true. Wouldn't you agree? I definitely agree with that. All right, so uh, how about we do this again? I think we should. Well, I think we should let people know that we're changing a little bit of our structure because we had, we were doing a podcast every single day during the pandemic. Yes. Now, things are starting to open up. Our own mm-hmm. business is now starting to open up. We got a permit that was, that was uh, approved, so Yay. we're excited that our home renovation business is now moving down the tracks. And so here's our plan. We're going to do a Hope Radio podcast on the front side of the week. We're going to get people through hump day. So okay. we're going to we're going to do a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Hope Radio podcast because we feel like by the time they're done with Wednesday, mm-hmm. Thursday's the downhill slide into the weekend. They're you got some hope for the weekend, etc. So yeah. yeah, we're going to fuel you up the first part of the week, Monday through Wednesday. So okay. look forward to that. So they'll have hope all through the weekend. Yes. Okay. Well, it'll carry them through. So we're going to fuel them in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, get them mm-hmm. over that over that glide path and then the downhill side of the weekend. I love Mondays. <laughs> It's, I do too, but not everybody does. Mondays Most people don't. are the best day for new opportunities for the week. I'm going to end right there. Okay.